welcome to the Good Talk Podcast, where we remind you of the joy of life, the love of God, and the possibilities that lie ahead. Pete and Jordan here with episode 78. Five choices you'll regret forever. Ooh. You know, just a light topic that on is... this week of Halloween. Listen, you can't hit pause on this now. You can't get out of the car and go inside. You have to stay and listen to this one. Okay. Um, I. It sounds uplifting and exciting. Are you being facetious? <laughs> Did I say that right? No. How do you say it? Facetious. You what? said suffacious. Facetious. It sounds like an old like. Um, I mean, we're at the name. beginning. Should we just start over? No. Okay. Suffacious. I made up a new word. <laughs> That's my favorite. Well, were you being that? Facetious. Yes, absolutely. Just because oh. the the title sounds like daunting. I think it's very inspiring. Okay. Great. Well, I can't wait. Um, it sounds as heavy and scary as Halloween. Ooh, I know you're um, excited about Halloween. I am. We both like Halloween, mostly for like just the social <clears throat> part of it, and like yeah. we all we have traditions around it that like we just love doing. Like obviously carving pumpkins, like the rest of the world, but we love doing like the baking the pumpkin seeds. I do I love that. Those are so good. I'm trying to master cider. that. There is a process to it. I want to encourage you if you like pumpkin seeds, don't just take them out, rinse them off, and throw them in the oven. There is a process. It's a 24-hour process. The process. The, Get online, YouTube it. You You'll dry have the them. Best seeds you've ever had this year. Wow. Okay. Well, um, so I dressed Pepper up. So I have two costumes for Pepper because she's only one once, and I'm like, she's gonna eventually not let me put her in whatever I want. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going all over it. So um, I dressed Pepper up. Yes, it was yesterday or two days ago. Uh, yeah. As a doctor. So that she would be Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Had to. Um, it was the best thing in the world. I love it. I made a reel about it. I tried so hard to get Dr. Pepper to see it, but I don't, they're not on, I've, I've been like stalking Dr. Pepper on social, on like Instagram and they don't, they're not like active on it. So I, yeah. I'm saying that that's why. Oh, well. And not that Pepper's not I want to dress her up like a flame and then she'd be hot pepper. I don't think you want her to be a hot pepper. Why? Because she's like hot sounds like. No, no, not. I'm talking about peppers. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh my gosh. Anyways, um, and then the, for Halloween, our neighborhood's a lot of fun on Halloween. I know all neighborhoods are fun on, on Halloween, but we have this big like parade where our, a ton of the women in the neighborhood um, get on golf carts. There's tons of golf carts in our neighborhood for some reason, and um, everyone rides golf carts down this one like kind of road, and it's a big parade, and they're all dressed up in different like themes so mm-hmm. it can be you know literally they're all dressed up like in these but they're all and, witches just kind thematic of as a witch right like i think last year there was like a britney spears witches ride and it was like they're all different versions of britney spears but they just had a hat on you know anyway so that's really fun they have like a festival on saturday but obviously monday is halloween and we're gonna have a family costume we are are you so excited i'm dressing up for the first time in a long time for halloween yeah, I I think that's probably part of the difference in boys and girls. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's just me forcing you to do this because if we had a boy, I'd make you dress up too. But um, we're going to be, you're going to be Prince Charming. Pepper's going to be Cinderella and I'm going to be the fairy godmother. And so I'm, and I'd like to note I've already dressed up once this year as Peter Pan when we were at Disney World. You did. It's a was, lot of dressing up for me, y'all. I will say all you had to do was wear a t-shirt at Disney World. This is a little and bit a hat. More. I had a Peter Pan hat. You did have a hat. Yeah, you did. Um, but this time I, I'm excited. Like I've never done a big group one. Yeah, Pepper was so little fun. last year. So if you want to check it out, we'll be on Instagram. Um, 
sharing our lovely Halloween costumes. I'm sure we will. <laughs> I'm sure okay, we will. Okay, how about five choices you'll regret forever? Kind of like dressing up like <laughs> I know, Peter Pan. I, I'm going to add six choices you'll <laughs> regret forever. Peter Pan. Anyway, okay. Uh, all right, so there's a recent study out from Columbia University found that we're bogged down with, on average, 70 decisions a day. Oh, I would think it'd be more. Yeah, that's what they said, 70 decisions, okay. which is a lot, which obviously can lead to decision fatigue, mm-hmm. where your brain, you know, is actually like a muscle, so it just it gets kind of mm-hmm. worn out. And yet decisions are so unbelievably important because they shape the direction of our life. Right. Stephen Covey has a great quote. He says, I am not a product of my circumstances. I am a product of my decisions. Mm. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's right. True. Because... Even inside of any circumstance, there are decisions that you can make. You're Mm -hmm. not just a victim of them. Right. You get to actively participate in how that kind of plays out. And some decisions obviously are minor, like what are you going to eat? What are you going to wear? Which route are you going to drive to work? Other decisions are a lot heavier, like you got two different job offers and which one's the right one. And, you know, do I move to this city or do I move to that city? Do I cut this toxic person out of my life or do I just try (laughs) to reestablish some boundaries with Every day, right? Lots Mm -hmm. of decisions. And some of them have massive impacts on our life. Well, there's this woman, and I read this article a long time ago. It's actually a book. I've never read the book. I've just read a couple articles about the book. Her name is Bronnie Ware. And she was a hospice nurse for pretty much her entire life, uh, where she would exclusively spend time with people who are basically in their last three months of life. Mm. And uh, she made a habit out of asking them about their greatest regrets. And what she found over all those years of taking care of people, that there were five common regrets Hmm. that almost every person had when they were in the process of dying and they were looking back on their life. I I originally found the article extremely interesting because for a a large part of my life, I was was a pastor full-time, right? And that's what I did. I spent a lot of time with people that were dying. You know, when someone finds out that it's inevitable that they're probably passing away. One of the first things they generally want to do if they're a person of faith is they want to meet with their pastor. They want to make sure things are good for them. <laughs> and they, they also want to usually plan out their funeral and talk yeah. through things. And also they have hope of healing and all kinds of stuff. But I found the time I spent with people as they were in the process of dying, I found it to be actually very inspiring not depressing like I think a lot of people would, but people who are in the last weeks, months of their life have a clarity hmm. that I, I rarely see from someone who is healthy and living their life normally. Right, right. And they, they just have this clarity about what really matters. And so I always found that so inspiring. But I, I want to kind of come back to these five regrets she talked about because you know, she's interviewing people who are in the process of dying. These, they're looking back in their life and saying, I regret these things. But at one time, those regrets were actually decisions, choices, yeah. decisions that they were making in the here and now. And so why would we wait until we get that, you know, notice that, you know, time is wrapping up on our life here? And it, it's true of all of us, right? We just don't know when. Mm-hmm. But why would we wait till then to look back and say, oh, I wish I would have made the, look, we could make those choices now. So I want to walk through these five choices that if you continue to make them when you're on your deathbed, you're going to be just like all these hundreds of thousands of people who have come before you, who looked back on their life and said, I regretted these things. Okay. Let's catch them now. All right, here's the first one. 
uh, number one regret was they wish they hadn't made decisions based on what other people think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that one. And, and I would take it a step further. Not only do we make decisions based on what other people think, a lot of times we make decisions based on what we think they think. We don't even know what they think. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. We don't. I would say 90% of the time we don't. We have no idea. We made up based on a, a whole set of cues that we've read from them that we think that they think this, and therefore we make a decision. Yep. So it, you're going to regret making decisions based on what other people think, and you're really going to regret making decisions on what you think they think. So true. And I see this play out a lot, even with coaching clients uh, often that are in a career they don't want to be in. They're not happy. They're not passionate about it, even mm-hmm. if they're making a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And you start tracing that back, and so often they went into what they went into because of outside pressure. Mm. Either the parents said, you would be really good at this, you should do this, or a professor or just culture convinced them that they should do one thing when that's not really what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big one. And I, I think also where it shows up, there's so many people who are living outside of their own integrity. They're living outside of their, their alignment mm-hmm. to their own values and their own goals because they continually make decisions based on what other people think. And when you're doing that, you're living off somebody else's values and somebody else's passions and not your own. That's so true. That's so true. Okay. I like so that one. That, yeah, that was, a, that was a big one. Um, and again, I, I think a, a lot of that is when we're so concerned about people's acceptance of us. Mm-hmm. So we think if we do what they want us to do, that we then earn their acceptance. Right. And then you're on your deathbed and you don't care about the people that, you know, like nope. it's not to say you don't care about the people in your life, but most likely the people you're making decisions about will like, I just feel like you, you answer so many questions for them. Yeah. Um, and even if they love you dearly, you still somehow make the worst case scenario, yeah. you know? And so I just, I think you making decisions on the worst case scenario and then you get to the end in the worst case scenario where you have no f- future anymore yeah. and you have to just sit in that. That would suck. Yeah. Or you spend your life making decisions based on what other people think. And then at the end of your life, you're looking, where, where are those people at? Mm-hmm. They're not around. Mm-hmm. That, you know, they, they got out of you what they needed. And you, you can sit there and make decisions for your boss for 20 years, making him so happy because you're making decisions based on what he thinks. And then he fires you because mm-hmm. who knows why, right? I mean, like, it's it's funny. Or how- he doesn't. And you end up working a job you hate forever. And, like, yeah, your and you boss isn't going to be there. Yeah, yeah. I like that one. That's yeah. that's good. Second regret was uh, they wish they hadn't worked so much. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 that, I, I've heard that one out of the mouth of almost every single person that I intimately knew who was in the process of dying. Really? Mm. They regretted how much time they spent at work. Working. And ironically, often it's motivated by a pure heart. They work so hard to make money for the people that they care about without realizing that what those people actually value is their company, their mm-hmm. presence more than their money. Yeah, so true. That's so true. That's a hard one because you're right. You feel like you're doing a good thing or you're doing the right thing or you're doing this to provide or you're doing this to give your kids the life that they want and yeah. really the life that they want is you home. Yeah, yeah. it's you. Mm-hmm. The, the key is to find a balance between doing what you love and being with the people you love. Yeah. Otherwise, you're always going to look back and wish you'd focus more on the latter. Mm-hmm. 
That's so hard. It's so hard, especially like I, I'm just speaking from some experience. I had a job one time in my whole life, not many of my jobs, but one of my jobs I loved so much mm -hmm. that I just wanted to do it all the time. And I, went, I was thinking about it, brainstorming about it. Like I just, and I know that's true of so many people. Like you love your job. Maybe you started a business and just like your whole heart and your whole passion. It's really hard then yeah. to say, I don't want to work or I need to stop working or I need to work less because you're like, they're both passions. And yeah. how do you, it's hard to balance because you want to succeed. And a lot of times succeeding means time, but man, that's a, that's a tough one. Yeah. It's a big one. Uh, number three, uh, they wish they had expressed their feelings. Mm. I thought that was, it. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have, uh, just if I was brainstorming what the five regrets were going to be, I don't think I would have listed that one. They wish they would have expressed their feelings, yeah, so just like, like throughout life. Yeah, it's, it's kind of this idea that, um, you know, we're taught as children to some degree that emotions are dangerous. Mm. I, I think about this even with Pepper right now. Yeah. How often we're saying to her, oh, it's okay, you're fine. Yeah. Or don't cry, you're okay. Like it, it's, mm -hmm. it's, or even when she gets super excited about something, it's like, calm down, you're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> you know, you're going you're to fall off those steps, yeah. girl. Like, mm -hmm. and, and so I think often we do grow up having a lot of our emotions mm -hmm. suppressed. Mm -hmm. And then we don't know actually how to express them as we get older. Mm -hmm. And I think the best thing you can do is to put your feelings directly on the table, even though sometimes it's really painful to kind of initiate that. It forces you to be honest and transparent. Right. Um, and it can lead to such great things. It's funny. I was uh, a guy that I'm coaching right now. We were kind of talking to a scenario, and he feels like even though he's done a lot of stuff for his company, they haven't necessarily compensated him in the way that they should. I'm like, have you have you expressed that to your boss? And he's like, no. I was like, maybe you should sit down and express that, like right. that you feel like you bring more value than mm -hmm. what you're being compensated mm -hmm. for. Because my thought was this, one of two things is going to happen. Either A, they're going to say, yep, you're right, and they're going to you know, stroke you a check, or they're going to say, I don't agree. And that gives you a wonderful opportunity to say, well, what could I be doing better? Right. There's wins in both of those. Yeah. One stings more, but it, there's wins in both. But holding in the emotion, nothing happens. Exactly. Nothing. So I mean, it's just a little practical example. But I think that there's a lot of people that are unhappy in current relationships right now, maybe even in their marriage, because they're expecting somebody to read their mind, and mm -hmm. that other person has no idea how you feel. Mm -hmm. I think the flip, flip side of that, too, is the positive of, like, I wish I had you know, told this person how much they meant to yes. me. I wish I had you know, let them know that this moment changed my life. Or I think of it almost more in, in the positive sense, at least in my life, because I almost... Positive is almost even not harder to say, but you just think that they know yeah. that it's obvious, you know, whereas negative, you kind of both are like, oh, but like a positive thing. I feel like it's, it's so like life giving to be able to give that to somebody that gift. Um, but I, I don't know. I feel like it's so hard to pause long enough to say those things, especially when it's someone you're close to. Yeah. Not, when you said that, it, it, it uh, queued up a, a memory I had of being with a guy who had cancer who was, I, was, I think he had about a week at that point. He was very sick. And they brought in his kids. I think he had three kids. And I remember him um, telling his kids they loved him. And they were all very emotional. Mm -hmm. And we walked out of the room, and I was talking with them. And I was like, just trying to, you know, support them. And I was like, that was, 
that that was really emotional for you guys, wasn't it? They're like, yeah, we've never heard our dad say that. Oh wow! And you know, where that dad didn't express it as a regret, he was used in that moment to mm-hmm. take that final chance to say that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there was regret that there were hundreds of opportunities he had before that to say it, and for some reason he didn't. Mm-hmm. Dang. So yeah, that make. Well, I hadn't thought of that. That makes sense that the data would show that that's a huge regret for people as they're dying. Yeah, that's crazy. And it's it's so easy to do, like communicating, you yep. know, whereas don't work as much. That takes a lot of like facilitation and organizing <laughs> right. and like having to come up with some way to not do that. This one is like, just use your words. Tell mm-hmm. people how much they mean to you or tell people, you know, the heavy stuff that you need to talk to. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just think that's a... It's hard. It's very, very vulnerable. Um, and I'm always so intrigued by the the people who can't say, you yeah. know, like the I love you to your kids. Like that breaks my heart. Um, but yeah, and again, maybe had he opened up earlier about some of his heavy stuff, mm-hmm. they would have gotten to why he doesn't right. communicate yeah. like that and given them a lot of answers in life. But anyway, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. All right. Fourth regret. They wish they had stayed in touch with their friends. Mm. Yeah, they. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. They're like, I miss my friends. I wish I would have stayed in touch with those mm-hmm. people that I really genuinely loved and enjoyed. And I mean, close friends bring you energy and fresh perspective and a sense of belonging. Yeah. And it's true that often in life, because of other responsibilities, I, I find right now in my season of life, the most difficult season yet to stay close to my friends. Mm. What, what, in what way? Busyness. Yeah. It's just, you know, work stuff. It's, Family. we have a one-year-old, right? My boys are older, boys. but still, it's a big investment in them these days to be at sporting events and such. And it doesn't leave a whole lot of time to invest in friendships. Where in high school, in college, even in my early 20s, this is like so easy. It's It mm-hmm. feels like all you did was hang out with your friends. Right, yeah. And I think too, like the nature of specifically to you, your shift from being a pastor where you're constantly surrounded by a community of people yeah. and you're working with people, whereas now you're building something and it is kind of just you, yeah. right? And so it's like, there's not teams around you as much. There's not like the sure. community and as part of your vocation. So that's been a hard one for you for sure. But um, I struggle with that one. I have, I, I've realized this about myself and I don't like it. I'm very seasonal in my friendships. Hmm. Like as far as like I have my high school friends and then I have my college friends and then after college, they all literally all of us moved to different States. Right, and right. so it's, it, and they're still like, friends but we're not close anymore and so now I'm here and I have my friends here in in Nashville it's like I I kind of like leave the pods where they were yeah. which is so I hate that and I I think that's natural I, I I think that the key is and we've talked about this before about how relationships friendships come and go and you're floating down the mm-hmm. creek you know yeah and um so I think that's okay and I think it's natural I think what happens though sometimes is you can drift away and then you never take the time to reinvest. And my guess is as you get older, once you're, you know, retired, you're in your seventies, your eighties, first of all, you have friends that are already passing away. And also secondly, it's just, it's, it's harder to have things to connect with. Mm -hmm. If you don't have some hobbies, you know, it's, it'd be so easy to become very isolated. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So that, that's a great reminder for me because I do, I will, I want to be a good friend. I want to invest in my friends. 
Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about having lots and lots of friends. Mm-hmm. I, I'm talking about having a few going good deeper. Ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. Yep. All right, right, and the last regret was they wish they had let themselves be happy. Hmm. What do you think that means? I think um, when your life's about to end, all the difficulties that you've faced suddenly become very trivial compared Mm. to the really good times that you experienced. Hmm. And so I think what happens towards the end of your life, this is the clarity I was talking about earlier, all so much of her life was spent on trying to solve all these problems and work through all these difficulties. Um, and they felt so big and so huge. And you spent so much time on that that you ignored the great things that were happening all around you. You mm-hmm. almost downplay those mm-hmm. and then you elevate the problems and the struggles. And, you know, you pour so much into that. And I think towards the end of your life, it starts to balance out a little bit. And you look back and you're like, why was I so worried about getting that person's acceptance? Why was I so worried about not getting that job? Mm -hmm. Like all those problems and difficulties really start, you get a different perspective on them. Like that wasn't that big of a deal. I wish I would have just been present in the moment and enjoyed life. Yeah, I feel that is very convicting because I know, I think it was this week actually that sometimes like on Mondays for some reason, and this is just like super raw, um, I get really down because I'm like going into a week of being at home and I've never been like a stay at home anything. Um, I've always worked before Pepper. And so I feel um, some somewhat purposeless. I know Pepper is like a huge job and she is all my purpose. And I like, I'm so proud to be her mom but there's some Mondays where I wake up and I'm like I feel heaviness and I'm like oh my gosh I'm gonna do this thing and she's gonna nap and then I'm gonna try and somehow entertain her for another three hours and hope she eats this and you know all those things and then I think it was Tuesday this week I literally looked at I'm like well this is such a gift Mm. and I one day in 30 years I'm gonna be like I wish you had just been present enough to enjoy it and not worry that you weren't adding value or not worry that, you know, you weren't checking as many boxes as you wanted to check. Like I wish you had just slowed down enough and just appreciated the gift that that is. Um, So I say that to say like, it, that's a, such a true one of like, it's all perspective and it's being able to like get out of your own head and as you say, your life follows, what is it? The You say you have a much more eloquent way of saying it. Your life follows the direction of your most powerful thoughts. Yeah. Your um, life's going to go in the direction of your most powerful yeah. thoughts. And so that's that my thought. If my thoughts are always, okay, this is hard or okay, this is meaningless or okay, mm-hmm. this is, then that's how it's going to feel. Yep. Whereas if I allow myself, I'm not, I guess allow myself to be happy like that fifth one is, it's allowing yourself, giving yourself permission um, to take that different perspective shift of like, wow, it's a beautiful day outside. It's yep. a, cause if it was on my deathbed, I'd say, this is a beautiful day. Oh my gosh. I get to sit here with pepper all day. Sure. Oh, I get to, and it's, it just is such a good reminder. Um, and it has to be a constant shift. Like it's like, it's such an intentional thing. It doesn't yeah. happen naturally. Um, so I think that's such a good reminder to say, how can I shift my head in this circumstance or in this season of life? 
Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a pivot, right? And it's it's about kind of what you give your energy to. And I've been thinking a lot about this lately. Just again, it's a perspective thing. It's like giving the appropriate. I, I think what happens is again, pain, difficulties, challenges in life, inevitable. Mm-hmm. You're going to face it. The question is, how much energy are you giving it? Right. And a lot of times, we give it so much energy that we can't then enjoy the other things that are going on around us. So an example that I used with someone this morning was, uh, let's say my sink is stopped up. Well, I've got to put some energy to that because we have to have the sink unstopped. I can't just ignore that. I can't avoid that. So I can step one, probably look on YouTube, try to figure out how to fix it. If that doesn't work, I can call a professional and ask them to come fix it, right? That's the appropriate amount of energy to right. give to that problem. <laughs> but what that, what often happens, Jordan, I'm going to YouTube it. I can't figure it out. I'm ticked off. And I'm like, why can I not fix this sink? I'm so stupid. I'm incompetent. Other men know how to fix their sink, but I can't fix this sink. This is terrible. But then, So then I call somebody. They're like, oh, well, we, can't, we can't come out for two days. I get off the phone. I'm like... You can't find any good work anymore. Nobody wants to work anymore. The economy is in the tank. Like, and all of a sudden, I went from a sink that stopped up to the world is falling apart mm-hmm. because I gave it an inappropriate amount of energy. Yeah. And that energy is a loop that comes right back to you. Mm-hmm. And so give it the energy it needs, the challenge, the difficulty, the pain, but not too much. Give it what it needs and move on. Yeah, that's a good word. Give it what it needs. Because sometimes it needs the little reaction. Sometimes sure. it needs the grieving or it needs the awareness or accountability, blah, 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 blah. But then move on. Yep. And then there's other things that don't need your energy at all. Mm-hmm. You don't have to open every email. You don't have to respond to every text. You don't have to respond to every... Go to, to every, every event. Yeah. Go yeah, to every... Like, yeah. So uh, it, I think it's this, just a, an awareness, right? You're, dra- you're dragging the unconscious into the conscious and just becoming aware of what you're giving your energy yeah. to so that one day you don't look back and say, man... I wish I would allow myself to be happy even that day that the stupid sink was stopped up. Yeah. That day actually was a good day and I missed a bunch of stuff because I was given so much energy to one particular problem. Yeah. So that's a good I, one. That was my favorite one. That I, fifth one. I I, I, I want to pull that list out from time to time to remind you and I and to remind all you listening to this podcast because I, I do think, uh, again, man, people that are towards the end of life have such a special clarity and there's no reason we can't have some of that clarity right now in how we live mm-hmm. so that we can make these decisions we're making today so they don't become regrets one day. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's super, super good, super helpful, super practical. That fifth one is my favorite. I almost want to like write it out and put it on my bathroom mirror. Do it. Okay. Allow yourself to be happy. I will. I'll do it. Um, Thank you so much. That was awesome. Um, You guys, please subscribe, rate. Um, You can give us like a rating on um, iTunes if you listen on the iTunes or Apple Music or Apple Podcasts. Gosh, I can't even talk. Um, And then subscribe if you watch us on YouTube. um, And we will keep putting these out. This is the last time you're going to see Halloween decorations. And you better bet... Christmas is about to happen in the Wilson household <laughs> in like a week. So just hold on to your britches. Oh, that's going to be fun. But have a great, yeah, Halloween. Have a great Halloween. Be careful out there and have a blast. Yes. And that was another good, good talk. talk.